You're listening to the 90-10 rule, 90% business, 10% music. You may think today's show is mostly for artists, producers, and engineers, but anyone who plans to upload or sell music on Apple Music, Spotify, SoundCloud, or YouTube needs to stay tuned. Grams featuring Scissor here on the 9010 Rule. I know the image I painted myself. Welcome to the first episode of 2016 of the 9010 Rule. I'm Brian Jennings along with Kevin Davis. Kevin, how you doing this year, man? Very well. What up, listeners? All right, so uh this year, man, we're going to do something a little bit different than what you guys are used to. Um, we've had requests to have a little bit more of a roundtable feel to some of our episodes, and we're going to do the first one like that today. Um, today in the studio, I have a very good friend of mine. But you know what? Let me just give you an idea of what this guy has done um, in New York. What was it? The, the Hit Factory? Hit Factory. Hit Factory in New York. And, so, and, and Unique Recording. And Unique Recording. Let me give you just an idea of some of the artists this guy's worked with. Uh, Mob Deep. Patty LaBelle, Eric, me and Rakim, Will Downing, Angie Stone, Ali Shaheed Muhammad, that's from Tribe Called Quest for you guys who don't know, Dave Koz, Aretha Franklin, Albie Sher, Queen Latifia, Queen Latifah, Olivia, Music Soul Child, Alex Bunyon, Big L, Lord Tariq and Peter Guns, Boys to Men, The Notorious B.I.G., New Edition, Genuine, Freddie Jackson, Tanya Blount, Najee, David Bowie, Heavy D and the Boys, Carly Simon, and Run DMC. <laughs> wow. I'm I'm thinking the only person that he ain't worked on yet is like my records. <laughs> right. Like, literally his entire resume is everyone Every, but me. Everybody else, right? <laughs> <laughs> so and this spans from uh what is it, eighty nine to present day, is that correct? That's pretty much it. Okay, yeah. and, and the, the but the, the amazing thing about this guy um is that now He's come full circle and he's kind of turned his life into being an educator. So whereas he's worked with all these great artists who have gone on to make the signature sounds um, for our culture and our music, he's now giving back to the to the community and he works as an educator for young people. He has his finger on the pulse of all the young people. I want to say hello to Louis Alfred. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> hey, man. So it's good to be here, man. Let me ask you a question. Sure. One of your first credits was David Bowie. Yes. How in the hell... Do you manage to get on board 
with David Boy for the first, the first one of the first ones. Well, that was that was a product of um, of the environment, so to speak. I, I, I come out of uh, Hit Factory, New York, and as the name implies, you know, we just we just had a uh, constant flow of um, of really incredible artists that we worked on as assistants and as uh, staff engineers. Um, you know, one of my <laughs> one of my career low points was I left the Hit Factory like two months before Michael Jackson showed up to do the History album. <laughs> oh wow! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wish I could have that one back. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just the kind of thing where you know you were on staff at at um, at, at like um, the Hit Factory, and um, you know they would just they would just call you up. Look, we have a session today, and you, I mean you just never know who was going to walk through the door. I mean I, I'm. The guys that I like to call my, um, you know, the, the guys with my colleagues are sort of our graduating class, so to speak, of um, of engineers. I mean, they've worked with everybody from Whitney Houston to like you too. I mean, I, you know, these are guys that, um, you know, uh, I'd be in one room and they're, you know, they're across the, across the hall with Paul Simon or, you know, um, wow, Jodeci or you know, just any of these other artists, and you know, and these are all guys of like like capable assistants and 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 um and uh engineers and he, at any moment an engineer could tell you hey look you know uh I got to get away from this uh I need you to punch the vocals and, and you got to be you, ready you got to be ready to sit in the chair <laughs> and do it no hesi- you know no hesitation um I, I I I um there was these there was uh Mike Thompson Mike Barbiero um, an engineer and Steve Thompson, his partner, uh, who was a producer, and, and and these guys did um, Appetite for Destruction uh, with Guns N' Roses, right. and um, he came out of um, out of Media Sound, which is like another one of these. You know, Bob Clearmountain came out of Media, and all. Jeffrey Lesser, who was another engineer that I assisted, come out of uh, out of Media, and uh, it, they turned it into a nightclub. It came like La Bar Bat, like it died well, well, way before its time. So he had all these like, heavyweight engineers, and and Mike and Steve were known as like I mean, they were just brutal. Um, they were really good guys, but just demanding, you know, professionally. And you had to be, you just had to be ready. Um, and um, I remember the first. Uh, what I think one of the things they liked about me was that I was I was serious. I did everything, but I everything to get the session moving, keep it moving. And I just knew my I knew my stuff. But I also had there were times of levity, you know. And um, I remember one time, I, the first time I worked with those guys, I was really intimidated. Um, and I heard like they had this reputation of you know if you weren't cutting it, you know they'd throw you off the session. That's and that's in the middle of the session. Middle of the session, if you in weren't front cut, of everyone, they 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 <laughs> they would they would they would they would be really cool about it. I mean they they call <laughs> you know they kind of Mike would kind of get up, he leave, pick up the phone, he tell them you know hey look this guy's not working out, you got to get another guy in here to work with me, and uh, before you know it, you got pulled from the session, and then um, you know you got replaced, and um, you know there was a guy. Um, there was an assistant that got pulled from the session, and then my number came up, and and the rumor was these guys were just brutal. Ah, oh, man, you know, and I'm like, good lord, if they kick this guy off the session, what are they gonna do to me? You know, right? So, um, so I said, I, I, I'm gonna get fired. So you know, I was, <laughs> so I was thinking I was gonna get fired that day. So I had nothing these, to lose. Nothing to lose. So I had these joke, uh, I had these joke glasses, these real thick Coke bottle glasses. You put these gag glasses. So I put them on, and I said, you know, I'm gonna loosen these guys up. Right. And it just sort of went at. You got to be thinking like I'd already made up my mind. This was gonna day I was gonna move to another studio because these guys were gonna fire me. No, no, no worries, right? <laughs> so I walked in and um, and the producers they were working. They were working on a song. It might have been CC Peniston or something. Um, Alan George and Fred McFarlane, who like really these really uber dance club uh, producers right. back in the day. I mean, 
look them up. They've got like tons of stuff. And and um and they um, Mike and Mike and uh, Steve were working with them. And I walked in and I just had these glasses on. And you know, it's New York, and you know, people kind of look at you, and and nobody wants to say anything. Right. You know? So I'm just walking around. Hi, and sh- completely total straight face. Hey, how you doing? I'm Lewis. I'm your you know I'm your sister. I'm working with you guys today. And they were like, all right, cool. You know, and they just. Went about my business and I'm, you know, cutting up tape and putting leader on and doing all that kind of stuff. And Mike gets to work and, you know, they're working and they're talking and I'm just being out of the way. You got to get out of the way, be low profile. Right. And he's listening to the tape and then he just like stops the machine and he goes, okay, 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 okay. He whips on and goes, I got to ask, are those your real glasses? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, no. And the whole room just Busted up laughing, man. And, and and I was working with those guys. Every time they came to Hit Factory, you know, yep, got to have that guy. You know, so you, you find ways to, like, you know, make an impression upon people. And at the same time, you know, they knew, I, you know, I was going to be on time. Tape machines were always going to be aligned right. Um, and if they asked me things, Mike, one day turned to me. He said, hey, man, I, something, this snare needs something. I can't figure out what it what it needs. Right. And uh, I was like, give us some 2K, you know, just with 2K. He did it, and he's like, "Yeah, that's it. That's exactly what it needs." So you know, and so there's this rapport that's been developed between you know the assistants and the engineers. So you know, he would leave a whole stack of mixes for me to print. And he'd say, "Tight leader," because it has to go to mastering. This is the last day of the mix, and you know, he'll he'll print like thirty mixes in the SSL, and wow. all the mixes are printed, the different vocal up, vocal down, um, instrumental, the whole nine. And then he'd say, "Okay, all these have to be tight leadered." Because it's going to mastering tomorrow, so there's no recall of the session if you mess something up. So, um, you know, I had to print the mixes and tight leader the mixes. And, you know, 3 o'clock in the morning after you've been up all day and you got 30 mixes to, like, tight leader. And he's like, listen. And he, and he gives you very specific instructions. They're like, listen, the minute the leader passes the heads, the downbeat has to be right there. So you can't cut into the kick or anything at all. So back then we had tapes. Had to, like, I was about to I was about let our wheels, listeners know what you were talking about. You have to scrub, scrub the wheels and you know, and you go right to silence and you cut the tape, stick the leader on it, and make sure that when it came off the leader, the downbeat was like right there. And in mastering, you know, they'd hear anything that was wrong with the mix, anything that was done. If right. They, yeah, they'd, they'd hear it. So you develop a rapport, you start developing trust. And then, um, and then uh, you know, when they can't do gigs, they start calling you. So that's how you get on David <laughs> that's Boyd. How, that's how you end up getting on David So Boyd. you mentioned a lot about tape. Um, you know, there's a, the age old argument between engineers of yesterday and today. What, how do you feel about the the new digital sound? To be to be honest, um, it was it was always a compromise for me. Um, I'm I'm just one of those people that would like sound first. The, the, what people have to understand is that the recording media was never perfect from the from the get go. I mean, you go back to Bell Laboratories, you know, the wax cylinders with the needles, you know, way back then, Alexander Graham Bell, you know, it was never perfect. And the whole idea of something being analog. You know, get back to its uh, what Greek root right there, analogous. It's 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 a it's a it's a representation right. <clears throat> of a sound. So, what we what we fell in love with were the imperfections in the medium, right? And that's that's what that's what. And then for decades, that's what you've been listening to in recorded music. So suddenly, digital comes on, and the philosophy always was well. Digital, if it's not doing what analog does to it, so it, it, it no longer is about it being. Um, a perfect medium, you know, when you talk about digital or the, you know, the warmth of analog and people like to think about like tape compression. Um, back then, we were always, at least in my mind, and, and a lot of guys that, that I worked with were saying, well, it'll get more like, the better the format gets, it's more like capturing what is exactly live right. in front of you without any of the, without any of the stuff that, that analog does. So the, the, the problem was, 
was that you've been listening to analog music, you know, since since you know you ever, ever right? You know, right? Forever, and suddenly somebody comes in and takes away that stuff that you've been used to. So it, it never really. I like the convenience of digital. I right, mean, you can do very cool things with non-linear. Digits, it's non-linear. You don't right. have to worry about the tape. And it's just like right there. It's awesome. But um, there's a lot of things about the sound, you know, that that sometimes that sometimes bother you. You know, if you've been working on Pro Tools for a while and it's great, and then you, you know, at least for me, I'll speak for myself. You know, it's like you suddenly you like walk in a room and you know the same snare you've been working with in in the box and Pro Tools. You know, you get a chance to put that same sound up on like an SSL. And you hear the same thing coming through some speakers, and you slap the SSL compressor on at the board, and it's a completely different feedback. I mean, you can, you can feel it, you know, right. when it when it when it happens, you can you can feel all of that. And um, um, I'm sorry, I just don't get that with you know that that, that sense of excitement. Yeah. I, and I'll tell you this: we had I had an opportunity to work on the first digital console that uh, that Solid State Logic had had, um, had uh, installed at Quad quad recording in New York and um and we did a session there um my cousin who's an engineer uh, Charles Alexander Prince Charles Alexander and I we worked on a on a on a song of uh, a French artist Ophelia Winter and um you know we ju- we just couldn't figure out like like what we thought something was wrong we we're like why isn't this like giving us the the low end where's the where's the bottom in this thing and um and it was that's when we realized that there's just some imperfections that, that digital just had to come over which I think they've, they've done an admirable job of doing by now well, okay. yeah. speaking of that, we have also have um, listeners that have written in with questions. So okay. one of the questions that falls right into that was, what would be your go-to plug-in to get that analog sound? Is there anything you found so far that gets you close? Uh, I, I don't know about, if I had to think about analog, oh, yeah, for me, uh, tube tech, CL1B, the soft, uh, that soft tube. Mm-hmm. Soft tube. Tube tech, love that thing. Yeah, yeah, CL1B without a doubt. Okay, I was okay. like, ooh, okay, that that got me, that got me going. Um, the SSL um, plugins from Waves from or wa- UAD. Waves, Waves, but I hadn't had, had done the UADs yet, and I want to do like an AB comparison. But Waves is not bad. Um, you know, I want to get want to get something better. Still not enough that 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 punch that I really like from the uh, compressor. But uh, but yeah, CL1B soft uh, tube tech. Yeah, soft okay. tube. Yeah. Also, another question from the listeners of: Do you have a favorite doll? And if so, why? Pro Tools. And I know a lot of people are like, <laughs> Pro Tools, uh, money, uh, Pro Tools, uh, it sucks, uh, freezes, 12.4. Uh. And, and I get that. The thing of it is, is that um, um, I, as an engineer, coming and coming in, and I guess people have to, have to understand this, this, this kind of an ethic, coming from a large format console ethic, coming from the fact that you know, you're in a studio and you, you, know, you come up through, um, being an assistant engineer, and you, you know, you had an engineer, you learned how to signal flow, and you learned how to patch, and the the Pro Tools more accurately, in, in my sense, worked with our workflow that that we that we sort of learned when we were coming up as assistants and as engineers. We we could emulate, and not necessarily, but we could emulate our workflow a little bit better in Pro Tools than we than we could in any of the other DAWs. Um, I really when when Logic came out, you know, Logic was a sequencer first, and I got like one of the first copies. You know, manual was written in really horribly translated <laughs> German, and um, and um, you know, it became Logic Audio. And we really, really loved the program, but it, at some point, we had to look at we had to look at, um, and I think a trend nowadays, I think, is that you're seeing people using 
and maybe using DAWs for um, what they're good for, you know, and and like you know as a composer's tool and to a degree for recording. I think Logic, nothing nothing beats Logic. Yeah, I agree. I, it's 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 just amazing, you know, what they've done. But it's the kind of thing where you know as the developers had evolved over time, sort of like Logic was a great MIDI sequence, and they're like, oh, the audio, let's sort of stick it on as an after you know afterthought, <laughs> right? Because it's Pro Tools, we got to go after Pro Tools. So we're gonna stick that on there, and Pro Tools on the opposite side was like, okay, we got this recording thing done, but our MIDI sucks, and and right. we never use Pro Tools for MIDI ever, right? You know, it was just like, eh, no, you know. So as a tape recorder, you know, I think of Pro Tools is like a big giant. You know, I think I think that's what it is recorder. too. I think it's almost like um, it feels like the the big studio, whereas Logic feels right. like a computer program, computer with program. colors and 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 in action. When we you know we're using Pro Tools for MIDI with an MPC slaved in there, and we you know we do all our tracking MIDI track MIDI in a in a separate DAW that just had Logic and was slaving an MP uh, C four thousand to and. Um, and so you you get this situation where, um, I mean, uh, Cliff Branch was a keyboardist. He's, he's done work with like Tom Brown and, you know, working with this guy. And you just, we'd never stopped. Like, you know, the, the, the actual transporter logic would just not stop. New track and then we just drop down to the next track, pop right in. He's recording next track, next track. Right. And it just, the flow was just incredible. So, you know, I'd have to say, you know, logic is a close, 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 close second. If by close you mean like ten miles, like nah, 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 nah <laughs> not quite, not quite ten miles. And it's and it's a little, lot closer than that. I mean, it's it's logic has evolved. I guess and, I'm just, and so I guess yeah, I just, I'm a Pro Tools guy. I'm, I'm definitely a Pro Tools guy. I mean, I, I if I got a mix in, in logic, I wince. You know, there's there's just <laughs> you know, um, but I mean, I'll do it. But it's 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 Pro Tools, man. I mean, we've been. I mean, I. <laughs> I go back to when Pro Tools was like sound tools on sound like tools, a Mac right. two track. on a two track on yeah. a nine black and white nine inch Mac screen. So you know <laughs> that's like throwing out your kid, man. <laughs> so working in the hit factor, man. Right. Uh, and this is actually a personal question. I, right. I'm just interested in knowing who right. do you think of as the Michael Jordan of mixing. Ooh. Wow. I mean, obviously, other than yourself. <laughs> Michael Jordan of mixing, Jesus Christ! Oh, that's that's, um, wow, that's hard, man. There's a lot of guys. I mean, I I think I think I think Bruce Wayne, without without a doubt. I mean, that that's a guy like right now. I mean, if somebody said, go in turn with Bruce. I'm there, but I mean, right. I got <laughs> like now, even like, after right all the now. boys to make records, right? <laughs> right, 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 right now, I'm I'm there. You know, what I mean, I mean, there's a lot of guys. Um, there's a lot of guys that are that are out there. Michael Jordan of mixing. That's that's a lot. I mean him, um, Steve Lillowhite. Um, there's uh, you know I had a chance to work with um, um, Frank Filippetti, who's who's like really cool. Not not you know yeah he was he was great with Phil Ramone. Like I guess that's like a you know combinations of people that you know you'd, you'd like to like work with. Oh, who is the, Steve Hodge, you know, who worked with uh, yeah. Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. I would love to like. Who is the uh, Steely Dan guy? Is that Roger Nichols? Roger Nichols. I like him a lot. Sure. Roger Nichols is amazing. I, yeah. I heard one time that he recorded their entire album and they were all in the same room. And I believe I worked I think they, I worked I think they overdubbed the vocals, but everything else was the same room. Everything else was the same room. I mean, I, I've, uh, I, I was over, I worked, I did a couple of like percussion sessions at Fagan's place. And, um, and, uh, 
I mean, he's he's got some amazing guys that that uh, Nichols wasn't there when I you know when I worked there, but he's got some really amazing guys that you know they, that he uh, keeps in pocket, right? You know, then well, when I, he, now that's not after Steely Dan. It wasn't really any Steely Dan records going on, but right. you know, same kind of mindset. Those guys, you have to be special to work, work with those guys from back in the day. I, I heard all the <laughs> stories about you know before there was um you know before there was um like uh, you know they they would offset you know. Just to get the snares and in, in like perfect machine time, they would like go in and punch like single snares. You'd have to offset like both tape machines. You know, by these really it's fine like real increments, work. real work. I mean, yeah. after after you had like an amazing drummer, you know, lay down some incredible, you know, drum tracks. They they what they wanted was they wanted natural acoustic sound as far as, as, far as I can tell. But they wanted to have machine like precision. And you mentioned the boy record, Nile Rogers, you know, so many. So coming up, I used to read about these guys and what they were doing, like Steely Dan, Roger Nichols, and the whole offsetting the machine. And it's one of the reasons why, they, you know, they spent so much time in the studio. If you think about it, a Steely Dan record came out like once, once every two or three years. Right. You know, because these guys were just so rabid about getting it perfect, you know. And, um, but, you know, with Nile Rogers, they kind of did the same thing. Um, they were offsetting instead of like two inches, you know. They were offsetting uh, Sony digital machines with you know much the same, much the same way, uh, setting up the click tracks and just making sure that they take um, all of the parts, uh, particularly the drums, and um, and make sure that uh, they had rather um, uh, drum machine like you know tightness. Right, right. So yeah, and they, those records sound real clean and open too. So it sound real clean and open. And that leads yeah. us to one another listener question. They uh-huh. want to know who should new mixers reference to get an idea of where their mixes should be. Who? Okay. <clears throat> well, I would say what you want to do is. Um, and you're probably going to name artists because most people artists, don't know yeah, any of these know, engineers. Any of the engineers. They don't do the research. So okay. So what you, what you have to what you you have to do is um, I think that when you 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 start with the music that you like, the stuff that's really hitting, all right, um, regardless of the genre, regardless of um, whether it's a hit record or not, you go through and you find you find the records that are um, making the most impact on you as a listener. And I think what you need to do is I think you need to, you, you have to become, you have to work harder at listening now because now you have to reverse reverse engineer, no, no pun intended, um, you know, what we've done. So it's not so much that you're listening, you're not like necessarily going after the engineers per se, you have to start with the artists. Right. And if there's stuff like this guy that just mixed um, um, the Adele record, oh, that, yeah. that's, out, that's out right now, I forget, his name escapes me, but um, but he, um, he uh, you know, that's a great record. I'm going to be listening to that record a lot more, you right. know, the album. And so, um, you know, you want, I guess, uh, Tom Elmer's is his name, Elmhurst. At Electric Lady, I think is where where they did that, and um, so you want to just go through and you just want to just just listen to um, to uh, what's going on with with that particular record. You know, how's it mixed sitting? If there's stuff that you're working on that's that's similar, there's a program. Uh, I want to say it's A B. I want to say it's A B Sample Magic. I want to make sure. I, I want to make sure I get this right. Um, and it's a it's a plugin. Right, that that allows you to. Um, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm actually messing around with my computer here, so don't don't think I suddenly got like, <laughs> you know, suddenly oh, I can't talk anymore. Um, it's it's, uh, it's from Sample Magic, and it's I think it's called Magic AB, and what this does is as a reference tool is you you put this over your you know in your um 
your, your master bus, and it it'll save or it'll store references of songs, oh, so wow. you can A B between what you're doing and what and and what somebody else did, and so you can kind of compare sonically. Does it also compensate for the loudness? Yeah, well, you can. You have to. You you there's controls in there to compensate for for the loudness differences, okay. wow. so that you can actually A you can listen to what you're doing. With the two buses out of right. your out of your out of your DAW is doing, and you flip right over to what you know um, Tom Elmer's might have done with the Dell record, right. so you can sonically hear what's going on. And 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 I learned I learned this is one of the things I learned, um, and this actually cost me some money. Um, I had to learn this um, when I was young and stupid, so to speak, as an engineer. When when it was sort of like, you know, you always like strive to get like always listening to. Um, something that comes to you and you go, okay, how can I make this sound really good? And sometimes when sometimes what ends up happening is in that process, and then let's get real, you could get the you can get some really crappy, um, you used to get some really crappy rough mixes. But that's what the band or that's the artist has been listening to for a while. Or it's been a demo that they might have used that they, you know, that they just finally went from a demo stage and they finally just went in and 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 you know cut the basics and did the overdubs and now they've called you to mix it. So I don't mix and I refuse to mix without like references. And and the idea or the saying was, or it became, you can never beat the demo. You know, you, you cannot beat the demo. Right. And and what happens is, is that you can you without the reference, without having a good reference, whether it's the demo, whether it's it's for me, it's as for demos, the what have you been listening to? And and like what do you like now? Maybe it's something right. out there that's that's actually selling, you know, maybe on underground arts, but I try to get a range of things to listen to as a reference because um and especially paying attention to capture the spirit of the demo because even though it may not be sonically perfect, you know, I've had I've had demos, you know, the bass is everywhere, the vocals are kinda of everywhere, right. and it just sounds like garbage. But there's something that they did in that where there's an actual there's for lack of a better word, there's a spirit in that. Right. And and so the 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 drive to want to make it sound really good and make it sound like, hey, I'm going to make this a record, you know, and, and this is what we do. But in that process, we we can also kill it because we we, we drove what made it special, you know, out of that. You have to you have to be able to listen as an engineer and, and, and get at what the spirit of the demo is, what the spirit of the intent is, and then go past it, you know, and then, you know, and do a supreme job of enhancing right. it while you don't destroy the spirit of what of what's going in there. So this magic AB thing, I think, um, is one of the things that that uh, actually help a lot of people um, um, to that end. Um, because now, um, you know, you, since you don't have, um, you know, guys like uh, uh, Mike Barbiero, you know, you're not in a engineer and assistant engineer kind of, you know, relationship, remix relationship in these big studios and whatnot, you, you, you know, you, you have to be able to, you have to be able to um, reverse engineer and, and be able to reconstruct a lot of what our methodologies were. Right. And, and failing that, the, 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 uh, the onus is on you guys to like listen a lot more than, than, than you probably uh, critically listen than you, than, than you probably have in your, in your whole life. And, and uh, Yeah. You know, that, I mean, that's a that's a, a huge point there. Matter of fact, as as an educator, like with well, with other young engineers coming up, do you recommend uh, some of the uh, recording schools that are out there, like Full Sail or SAE or any of those, or do you think that they should, uh, I, I guess, be an intern, be a mentor, like 
it's, like learn it, learn the process in the studio as opposed from in the school. It's well, you know, it's it's a little bit of both. Um, the, because because like uh, a lot of the large format studios, you know, they've closed. Like you know, Hit Factory's closed. A lot of Sony Music in New York, where I also did some work in post production and whatnot at, at uh, in New York. Um, you know, they're closed. A lot of these these so access is not what it used to be. So um, schools, I think, play a good role in in helping them get to a certain point with, with with a certain degree of technical knowledge. It's it's sort of like okay, you don't know how to you, like if you to use a carpentry an, an analogy, you know you 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 may not know how to hammer use a hammer and a nail. You know uh, you may not you may not be able to use a table saw properly. You know school is kind of like to help you teach you to use the tools. Um, but but again, from a very technical level, after that, you you kind of have to get out and 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 learn from somebody who's been there, you know. And right. and and you got to get into the studios if you can, and 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 see what's because in the studio you learn what's working. You, you know what I mean? Otherwise, you you know if if you're a rare artist where you you actually know like okay, this is what I'm gonna do with my music. This is where my music is gonna sound. For lack of a better word, you know, Prince. You know, he was 17 years old when he got like his first record deal. You know, guy's vision was just ridiculous. About, but you know, he's he's like one in a million. You know or, what I mean? Or more than a million. Or more than a million. One <laughs> right, in a billion. But 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 these are the kinds of things that you're that you're facing, and this is what you what you literally have to be able to do in order to kind of just be the solo the solo person. You know, I don't want to be a record label. You know, I I don't need an engineer. I don't want to do none of that stuff. You know, I got I got Pro Tools. You know, you, you kind of have to be. You kind of have to be. Um, you you got to learn it from somebody, man. At some point, you got to like humble yourself and 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 find ways in which to to do it right. It it just it saves shaves so much time off of off of off of you getting it wrong for so long and getting frustrated. I know there's a lot of guys out there right now. I can't figure out what's going on with my music. How come I can't get around? Why do people like what I'm doing? You know, hey, I got all of the, the latest gear. You know, why isn't this working for me? And um, it's and, you. And it's, <laughs> well, yeah. And then the end of the day, it's you know. And, and I think that um, technology, I think sometimes it becomes a crutch. And 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 the normal outlets to learning, um, you know, have been somewhat compromised because okay, well, what do I need, you know. It, it it really gets back to that whole thing, you know. Hey, I got Pro Tools. What do I need you for, man? Why do I need it? Why do I need? Why do I need to pay you when I got Pro Tools? Mm-hmm. And as long as it doesn't like blow up in their faces, you know, it's, it's okay. You know, it's like it, it, it's great. Now, what they may do is may sound like garbage, and they can't figure out why they can't get it. You know, they can't right. get it heard because you know, no, I don't know about now, but I, I seldom think that somebody's going to actually tell you, hey, you know what? You know, your record really sucks. Don't call me anymore. They're just gonna be like, not answer your phone call. Right. You know, when, when you call. Right. Why won't this guy listen? I gave him a demo. Why can't I get any calls from this guy? It was, yeah, it was, it was a great I'm, demo. I'm, I'm busy. I'm in a session. I'm in a session with people who really know what they're doing. I actually right. want to grab something you said before we get too far away from yeah. it. And this is for everybody. Um, you know, with with the the uh progress of technology and Pro Tools and all that stuff, I, I know you guys have noticed that engineers now have put on a few more hats. Yeah. So how, how, how do y'all engineers feel engineers are running the industry let me be real yes. they really are yo like a lot of this music sounds like garbage but it sounds great because the engineer put his foot in it even further though I think even before you get to that point like I'm talking about from production most engineers now are having to be producers right. A&R uh, right. songwriters right. Uh, right you know what I'm saying like they're doing four or five jobs 
And I think it's almost expected. How, how do you feel about that, Lewis? Well, it's, it's expected. Um, and it's, you know, it's a continuation of, of something I had experienced um, even, you know, even back in the, in this, in the heyday and, you know, in the late 90s and going into, and going into the new millennia. Um, you just, you, you, you were sort of the guy that had to make it go. You know what I mean? So, so you might have a producer that you're working with, and, and the guy has a pretty decent idea, but he doesn't know how to take it from conception, you know, into like a real world production sense. So, part of your job, if you if you came up, what I like to call come up right, you know, if you come up in in studios like I did, you know, they, you, you sort of play your position. You know, you, you're not looking to steal anything from the producer. But you're you're you you want to make this record hit. Um, as much as they do. So you, you, you know, you, you're there for your clients. So, um, yeah, I'm the engineer today, but you know what? I'm, I can play guitar too. So (laughs) I'm going to come up with this riff and, you know, it's going to end up on your million selling record and, you know, no one will know, be the wiser for it. Right. And, and a lot of us, we just accept it as, as, you know, as part of the job. Now, recently there's been a situation that had happened, um, with an engineer. I'm not going to bring up any names, um, you know, you, you, you can, if you want to, just I can, so you I, can, I can, if you want to, it's okay. So <laughs> <laughs> nothing like a good controversy, nothing like a good controversy, podcast beef, so very, podcast beef. Oh. no, no real beef, no real beef, no beef, <laughs> none. Nah, okay. So you had that situation uh, with, uh, Jay-Z and, uh, and his engineer, uh, suing Jay-Z because, you know, among other things, um, the, the whole thing about it was, was that, well, you know. He had this laundry list of stuff that he did in order to make all these these Jay Z albums and tracks happen, you know. And it's the kind of thing when, you know, for me personally, I thought it was kind of well, that's timely, you know, in terms of the lawsuit, you know, because you're talking about albums that had went and did their thing in the industry, right? And sort of moved on. So you're not really talking about anything necessarily contemporary so it's like you're gonna back suit a guy after all of the stuff is like hit and i'm like going mm, it's kind of shady there man you right. know um and 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 it's the kind of thing where um you know you you, you kind of have to be the gatekeeper i mean there's, there's sometimes you, you nudge a project forward you know and then there's other times when you know you're doing a lot 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 more than just engineering and so right. you got to kind of speak up for yourself and just say hey look um maybe I need a co-production credit, you know, maybe, maybe you compensate me with, you know, some money or something. It's, and it's only fair. Some people know um, that if they do that, they're out of a job, you know, because producers, right. some producers don't want to share that, that limelight with you. Um, so, you know, um, yeah, I think, I think nowadays we, for, for also for survival, you know, so, if you're not mixing anymore, if you're not doing a whole lot of things with mix, okay, so now you're going to do more work mastering. Um, maybe you do some live stuff, you know, as an engineer. You start to diversify, you know, so you should talents in more diverse situations. I got a buddy of mine who's more, um, actually more of a producer, and he actually got it back on the East Coast. And he actually got more into um, doing installs. Like, he'll build your studio and, right. you know, get all of the gear and some really, this really fantastic job of putting your home studio together for you. You know, so yeah. I mean, and I just think that that's just what happens in in this economy. Yeah, you know. Talk to us to a little bit about why you decided to to make the switch from being more of a, a engineer into now where you're doing the education. Um, I I think that was more <laughs> that was more like a I think a question of of um 
the, the funny intersection of just when you get to a certain point in your life, um, and just some life issues that you know that I had. I didn't coming to Atlanta wasn't my idea originally. You know that, that wasn't that wasn't my was idea. It was a it was natural a, disaster. Natural disaster brought me here, <laughs> and and just dealing with family issues and and things of that nature. And that's why that's why I ended up in Atlanta. So it was kind of you know I had to kind of figure out ways to make the best of the situation. So now I'm not in my element here professionally. So it wasn't like I was going, you know, jumping right back into the, you know, in the industry here where I was essentially foreign, you know, to me was just, you know, I just sort of, it, it just didn't click. You know, I just, I needed, I needed, I needed more time than what I was going to be given to like really make that decision to just jump back into it you know, the way I was doing it in New York, you know, New York City. Um, but then it also occurred to me uh, simultaneously that um, it was an opportunity that, um I ha- I had to <clears throat> excuse me. It was an opportunity that I had to be able to give back because I remember even as an adult man, you know, people that help you, you know, people that people that help you um, get to where it is that you have to go. And I think that that as professionals, we have an obligation, you know, to look back and 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 give people who you know who want to do this thing, you know, want to be want to be involved in in this kind of like this you know this fraternity of of. Um, of uh, music production and engineering, you know, look back and give give people a, a hand up. And I think the best way that I could is is knowledge. You know, give them give them give them insight into what um, you know what we did back in the day. It's still relevant because the music. Think about it, man. I'm so tired of going on YouTube sometimes. I'm looking at what people say in the comments, and they go, "Wow, man." You know, you go back and listen to some old stuff, and they're like, and you see the comments, and somebody's like one third your age is like going, "Oh my God, this sounds so much better than the stuff we're listening to today." You know, right. oh, the music from the '90s is cool. You know, the music from the '80s is cool. You know, and they're, and they're talking about like an aha song, which at the time I didn't really like. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're thinking like sometimes I'm like, God, they're thinking the most cheesiest stuff. But they right. love it, you know. And there's a reason for that. I think, and and I think that um. You know, helping helping people um, get some insight into into you know into how those into how you know how those records are made, not right. just from a technical perspective, but but I think sometimes it's it's your workflow, you know, it's your attitude, you know, and a lot of it is your outlook, your soft skills, you know, things right. that, things that don't really have to do much with technology, your work ethic, you know, how to develop a really good professional um, work ethic, and and that's what I think made a difference in the records that we you know that we did right. Um, I think that transitions yeah. perfectly to today's topic, which is the loudness wars. Um, ah. So for the people who are, are just slowly getting to what this means, um, prior to Compact Disc, there was actually a level that you could not go past without reaching some kind of saturation or there would there be some, technically, you could push a, a record past the point where it's supposed to go and it would just saturate. It wouldn't clip. It wouldn't, it would just distort. Right. Sometimes nicely, sometimes poorly. Sometimes not. Dep- wait, 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 wait. Depending on your engineer. Let, let me, let me dumb it down for a second. You said there was, <laughs> there was a, a level that you could not go past. Like who was going to stop you from going past it? Sound. It, this, it, it, it was a legal thing or it was a physical barrier that you couldn't... Well, is that yeah. what we're talking about? There would be a physical barrier. So basically what it is, is um, before digital, there was a... After you get to a certain point, you couldn't go any further. It would just it would just distort. Sometimes nicely, though. There was actually a warmth to it. It was a, a nice sound. So the, the really good engineers back in the day could figure out a way to push things a little harder to give it even more of that saturated sound and sound great. Yeah, we used to... You know, they used to... You watch a guy that um, sometimes... It, it would have to do with aligning. This is a line, a tape machine before you use it. You know, so we used to get in sessions like an hour before and get down with this reel, 
and <laughs> you know you'd have to put the alignment reel up, and you know there was a guy at the, on the tape, and magnetic references, one word, one K, and you have to go through each track and. You know, but that's you know that's actually where engineer came from. The name engineer because it was guys in white coats, right, literally right, right, from Bell Laboratories, and you know, and and, <laughs> and um, and you have to go in and you have to adjust the the tape machines for playback, for recording, and to play um in cell sync, which is which is the mode where um sync would be, so that you could um re- do overdubs, you know, without there being a delay. Right. In, in in the playback that you're listening to. It's a real interesting okay. kind of science to that. So um and that was a multi-track, but then you had like the two track that so all of the tracks would go through your board, your mixing board, and then it would come out and then you 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 record your mix to the two to the two track. And um you'd have engineers that, you know, were really good at like smacking tape, you know, and getting it to compress and build that warm kind of a sound and this really cool, you know, top end kind of a thing going on with the tape compression. So there was um tape compression, you know, there's compression from the board, there's compression and rummy, just various kinds of like natural compression going on. And you could actually drive the drive the tape machine pretty hot and and it wouldn't, you know, there's a point, like he was saying, that that you know, you could actually distort, you know, actually get distortion, audible distortion. But but um there was a graceful way. You know, to really, to really, that you could really smack, smack your tape, and it would come out, smack the uh, tape, and it would come out really punchy and sound really great. Um, and then the world ended. These niggas what it activists. Yes, niggas, I want activists. Why these niggas act the bitch? Running around and trapping shit. You niggas ain't getting no money. You hoes think it's this fun. Ha, I ain't no dummy. I'm blowing on that chronic. Niggas say got heat. Fuck em up in the streets I got the plug, got the plug. Your plug is on the leash I, I hear you young niggas talking When I walk away nigga I ain't losing sweat If you ain't fucking with a young nigga Get that stress up off your chest My niggas just shoot up Yeah, yeah Yeah, yeah My niggas just shoot up Yeah, yeah That was Shooters by King J. You can follow him on Twitter at King J A I Music here on the 9010 Rule. And then the world ended. And then the world ended. The world you know, ended. When you know digital. we had the digital, and which couldn't couldn't deal with the um, we we couldn't hit it as hard in in digital. Um, it feels weird even using that term. Like which before, one? Before before oh. digital. Yeah, before digital. <laughs> yeah. Like using that as the marker. Yeah, as a marker. Yeah. In, sure. in our, our our time scale well, here. Before like, digital timeline. Before digital. And um, <laughs> it's like almost like a religion. Right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> 
but you know, the, the funny thing about it, though, is when digital came um, on the scene, there was now a hard limit. It was not like before where you could push a little extra and get a little bit of yeah. harmonics out of it. Now you get to zero, that's all you got. That's all you got. Well, matter of fact, may, maybe, yeah, well, maybe I'll, I think I'm about to say something that will make more sense to uh, our listeners who, okay. who may not be engineers and aren't as, as tech savvy. But I mean, you guys will get it. So, say for example, right now, right? I've I've purchased somebody's album on iTunes. Now, when I get in my car, which is where I do the majority of my good listening, right? right? When right. I, there's no distractions, I just right. get in my car, right. zone out, right? Right. Now, I try to turn it like, for instance, the uh, Compton soundtrack. I try to turn that thing up as loud as I can, mm-hmm. and I can't. Okay, and you, I can't like no matter and, how loud I turn it, it's not coming with me. And I know there's more there. I'm like, what do I need to do with my amp? Do I need to go buy new speakers? What do I need to do and, to get the sound that I'm accustomed to? Because when I'm listening to rap music, I like to bump my shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I do. I bump my shit. Like there's so many people out there. I know that's what they do. They bump, bump their music, bump the, but it's you, not bumping the same way you, it used you're gonna to. You're gonna have to. You're probably gonna have to. Think about investing in, in changing what's going on with your audio system in your in your car. Because I tell you things like this, um, you know, um, you know, back in the day before before digital, <laughs> BD we should like, right, you know, right. ABB day before digital, um, you know, the, the whole the, I think, um, and this is this is kind of the like the presage what you're gonna what we're gonna get into about the whole loudness wars thing, right? Um, you you had compression, you know, uh, and 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 so you had tape compression. You had compression on the board, SSL, Neves, you know, all of them had like compression on the uh, on the uh, on the um, channel channels, yep. and then you had compression that you use on the two bus, and it's like compression, 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 compression. So like, like, yeah, compression must be a good thing. And in the hands of somebody who knows what they're doing, it's a fantastic thing. <laughs> and if you don't know what you're doing, it's it's a horrible thing. And 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 so, but we had several stages of compression. You'd be surprised how much compression you could actually get away with using on some things, and it still sounds great. But then get this: after you went through all of that, and then you sent the record to the master lab, where they did you know more judicious compression <laughs> and limiting. <laughs> And then it went over to FM radio, and guess what FM radio has? Compressors. <laughs> right. In their, in, their, in, their, in their radio station, they have compressors and limiters for, for, for a couple of reasons. Uh, one is that um, part of their license, you know, from the FCC, you could never over-modulate your, 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 um, your broadcast channel, your frequency. You can never over-modulate. So you always, when I was in college and we had a radio station, you know, look at the VU meters, and they would say, It'd be a line. It's like you can never let the program go above zero ever, because if you did, the um there was these uh, some fail safe the um like fuse thing that would would kick in and literally knock take the station down offline. It would stop broadcasting. And, and talk about and, being pulled from a session, right? Wow. Right. Talk about being pulled from a session because and it was one of the other rules. Uh, part of your license, believe it or not. If, that you get from the SEC is you can never have dead no air. Dead air right. You can never have dead air. You always got to be broadcasting. So um so um so there's limiters, you know, and compressors that they put on it. But but it was twofold purpose. It wasn't just to protect their their transmitters, but it was also you think about it, you're sitting in the car 
And um, the radio station had to be able to take the song and, you know, you have to, the average car stereo speaker is like, you know, five, six, seven inches, you know, across and right. the stock sound system that comes in the car, right. you know, back, back in the days, you know, um, and you had to get the sound in that and, and it had to be louder than the, the ambient noise in the car and, 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 and traffic. So that's where your hard compression comes in, be able to compress that, get it up over the levels of road of, noise, of road noise yeah. and, everything, and everything. So, so as a concept, you're thinking, you know, later on, if you get to digital, then compression must be a great thing. And it's not. So what's happened is that people have abused compressors now in the digital age. When we got to the CDs in the 80s and the 90s, and, and um, they were doing the studies where they showed, like, every year for the last 20, 30 years, the overall level of CDs has gotten hotter and hotter and hotter, right. while the actual dynamic range of the record has gotten, has, has gotten lower. lower, lower, and lower with the you know with the over over the years. So so thus we find ourselves in this thing, this phenomenon called the loudness, the loudness wars. Here we go. And 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 you know you had your A and R guys, oh, I want it louder. You know, putting pressure on the engineers, producers putting pressure on the engineers, and then after you know for the mix to be louder, and after the mix is louder, they take it to mastering. So you got the A and R guys who are sitting in on the mastering sessions, going, "Hey, my mix has got to be louder. You know, make it." Louder, so they, you know, you got the master engineers jumping through all kinds of hoops, uh, introducing clipping, um, you know, into the mastering process in order to squeeze out, you know, a couple more dB to make it even louder. So, um, well, see, but before you before you move on, because you you hit something we got to talk about. See that, and that's part of the thing I would say that is twofold with your car system, not necessarily your car being the, all the way the problem, but also because of the artifacts that come from. Doing stuff like what you right. just said. There's there's gonna be some trash that comes. There's gonna be some trash that comes through that, that comes through and and depending on what kind of car system you have, your your car system may even have limiters in to protect right. to protect the speakers, depending on what your car system is. And and that's one of the one of the gripes we would have about self powered monitors that had limiters in them. You know, we want to turn it up right. and suddenly we can't get a lot of the limiter kicked in on so the, Lewis, on the speaker. So, Lewis, would it be accurate then to say that since digital and we can't go above zero anymore, there's no way to go above that point. Right. Is it accurate to say that now what we've done is we've figured out ways to turn the quiet parts up louder so that the entire rank, the well, entire that, dynamics of it is that, the entire thing's louder? That's that's what, But that's what the whole loudness was, thing, right. thing was. It's You squashed the dynamic range down and then you yanked the whole thing up and you put everything... You know, as close to zero as you possibly can can get it. Now, so here's the backlash that it happened. Um, I believe the record. Oh God, I want to make sure I get this right. Um, I already got it. I already got death, it queued up. Death magnetic. Death magnetic. Me- Metallica. Yeah. Dr. Three. Tell them what Dr. Three means. Do you know? Do you know what I'm talking about? With the dynamic range. Tell <laughs> dynamic them what, range tell what that means. Okay. So so essentially, what has happened is that Dr. Three. Um, in 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 our new stand in new standard that they've adopted. There's a there's a loudness normalization that's going on now in, in uh, music, um, and we'll get back to the reasons why. But but um, what they what they've done is with these new standards is, is that they have to figure out what um, what the maybe the softest portion of the music is. The difference between the softest and the loudest part of the music is is what we would normally call a dynamic range. Okay. And and for quote unquote normal enjoyable music, you have music oftentimes has some pretty wide swings between what is soft and what is really loud. This is how you determine whether or not something is loud. It's relative. Your ears hear things relative. It's just like just like um distance and relative, like, you know, 
I'm tall, six feet four. You know, if I stand five feet away from somebody who's shorter than me, you know, I'm going to look like I'm small. Right. So, so in order for you to know what or whether or not something is loud, you have to have something quiet. Now, dynamic range of three means the difference between the softest and the loudest portion of this music is only three, you know, only three, three decibels. Right. And 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 that's that's just that's that's pretty inhuman. And and so <laughs> you know they yanked it up, and and what it happened is that it's a it's it's an extremely loud record. But also what happened was they got a lot of uh, flack about that record. Um, Rolling Stone. Um, Wired, a lot of people, customers, wrote in and you know complaining, were asking for new, um, new. Uh, well, I think it was the Wall Street Journal. Also, a lot of people complained about the record because it's like, well, you know, there's something wrong with it. It's all distorted. It's it doesn't sound like, and I don't mean the good kind of distortion. I mean, you mean I, like I, ear I, fatigue, distortion. ear fatigue, distortion. I right. mean, no, that's that's heavy metal. You know, I mean, I, I I listen to Metallica. There's there's some songs that they've done. You know, I actually love. So you know, there's guitar distortion. There's the, there's the right kind of distortion, and then this other stuff that they got going on with the masses, and that's not that's not the good stuff. You know, I feel like I'm I'm spoiled because I. I've been raised on loud music. That's the way. That's the way that I know it and appreciate it. Well, I, I can't even think of a concert that I've been to, like a live a studio mix is one right. thing, but even in a live show environment where I'm going home and my ears are ringing, well, okay, and well, I can't hear the, until tomorrow. Yeah, well, now what you now what you just said though that's the that's the that's the negative side of loud music the, the ringing in your ears is is a sign of of damage when your ears are ringing so that's what you have to be, <laughs> that be careful that, of that, yeah that, right. you're not going to hear that frequency that's again like, yeah, so I've a, been damaged a, all my a, life so, whatever so ringing you heard right. the loud loud music loud music actually um, damages the nerves in your ears uh, you could develop a condition called tinnitus where um, not only are very low to moderate volumes painful to you but they actually there'll be a ringing at certain frequencies that you can't shut off. Like there's no music and you still hear the frequencies going. And I don't just mean, it's not a temporary thing, it's there. Oh, wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was hoping you would say like selective (laughs) hearing. No. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, look, just like that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Just just to put this in reference though for you guys, I kind of want to go through um, Ian Shepard, who is a well-known master. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love that guy. He went through and um, he did the dynamic range on several albums that we know and love. And I kind of want to give you an idea. So we we already said Metallica Death Magnetic is the loudest of all time, DR3. Um, I'm going to start at the, the other end of the, the spectrum, though. Um, Bruce Springsteen, born in the USA, was DR14. Uh, uh, Michael right. Jackson Thriller was DR12. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon was DR10. Eminem, the Eminem show was DR9. Oasis, uh, What's the Story, Morning Glory, was DR6. Taylor Swift, 1989, was DR6. Nicki Minaj, The Re-Up, was DR5. Red Hot Chili Peppers, Californication, was DR5. And Skrillex is DR4. So the the idea that he has here is that if you're within um, DR11 and... DR11 and DR16, then you have really good dynamic range. Right. Your album may end up sounding a little quieter, but it'll it'll give you all the nuances and all the per, the perfect you know ideas that you had when you put it through. Uh, I guess somewhere in the in the yellow range, which is acceptable but still kind of loud, would be DR8 to DR10, and then when you get to DR6 and above, you're you're doing too much. 
if I can just break in for a second, I, you mentioned Ian Shepard, and I, I'll tell you for for the people checking out this um, podcast, this broadcast, you check that guy out. He's got some really cool stuff um, that concerning mastering and this whole um, uh, uh, loudness war thing. Some really incredible insights. Um, I mean, he's just got a wealth of knowledge. Um, he mentioned um, J. Cole, the uh, 2014 Forest Hills Drive album. Right. J. Cole was one of, that I, to my knowledge, um, this was this was one of the first adaptations of like in hip hop where he, you know, he told his engineer he didn't want, you know, he didn't want to get involved with the right. whole loudness wars thing. And um, and so I think that 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 helps. I, I mean, it just helps helps us to have a better experience of what of what of what of what the, the the lens that we see the artists through, right? You know, so I, I just think that getting away from the loudness wars, I think, is is is, is going to just be a boon for us to like actually in, enjoy the music. I mean, because as engineers and as producers, I think what we do is you know we try to we try to help put the artist in his best in his best light, right? You know, we try to put the best lens on the artist for the public to view the artist through. You know, and and I think that you know we do them a disservice um, if we don't give them the best. You know, and and sometimes it's not like the loudness. Now, what you were talking about with, with loudness, it makes sense because um, as you turn up, there are um, the frequencies, the low end and the high end, becomes like like clear and focused. You're hearing flattens out with, with with volume. If you learn, if you if you if you listen to things at lower medium, moderate, and lower volumes, you know, you never hear as much of the low end. And, you know, if you listen to hip hop, you listen to R&B, you know, you want to get the low end and you want to get the snap on top. So you're going to turn up, you know, you know, club, you know, you don't hear that loud. But, but, um, but um, the, the, the idea, the notion is, is that now, um, you know, we, we can mix without having to worry about um, loudness, you know, and making it loud and destroying the things that make it really, the music really good. To listen to, you can hear all the nuances and the subtleties in the music. Now, everything's not all like the same volume and roaring at you, you know. So you get it gives room for us to get creative again, you know. What we do, um, you know, for the artists, we have to thinking about, well, I got to turn this down, or I got to you know, right. make some kind of conversation because I know it's going to be roaring by the time it goes to mastering, you know, or or you know, well, for, for my for my part, you know, you always you, you you know you have that mix you send, you know, you put the L two on and you make sure you, right. you, you you gas it up to like it's like. Point one dB under, you know, under uh, uh, clip. clip, right? You know, <laughs> and, right. And, and you know what I mean, and and so and so you, um, you know, you don't have to do that anymore, you know. And I think that's a, I think that's a wonderful thing. Interestingly yeah. enough, um, I think that at this point it's become important to do the opposite. And J Cole is right on on pace for this, but I don't know if you guys have ever been out um, working on your project. You mix your album or you mix your record, and it's like really banging loud and. You know, you've got it, you know, right up there. The dynamic range is low. So you're at the DR3s, the DR6s and 7s. And then you upload to Spotify. You upload to YouTube. You upload right. to maybe even sell it on iTunes. That's the next thing. And then you find out, wait a minute, this is quieter than some of this other stuff that doesn't even sound as loud as far as what type of music it is. Why is my record sounding lower? Well, it turns out that YouTube and Apple Music and Spotify and um, SoundCloud right. have... Come up with the idea that, hey, you know what? We want to make these all sound similar because it makes Apple look bad when they're listening to one song and then they go to the next song and it blows their speakers up because they had the volume too high because right. somebody's record was too low. Right. So they implemented things like sound check or normalization on their end, kind of like yep. the same thing you were saying with the radio stations. So right now, I mean, just for as just a point of reference here, 
Um, LUFS, that stands for Loudness Unit Full Scale. Full Scale. Mm-hmm. So this is a, a, a metering method um, that they've come up with to get pretty accurate. You know, it's a little bit better than decibels, I guess, in, in, the, in the terms that they're using it. For instance, U2 right now is looking at about negative 13 LUFS. Apple Music is at about negative 16 LUFS. Right. So um, a way to, to test this yourself is if you upload a song to iTunes in just your library and then you turn on Soundcheck, it's going to automatically change whatever you have to negative 16 LUFS. So, Lewis, tell us what that means for the engineer that's in the studio right now trying to make that thing hum. Well, I, th- I think what it, what it means is, is that, um, you know, they can tell people, look, I'm not going to, I'll make, like, you still got to print your stems and you say, okay, look, you want a ridiculously, insanely hot ear searing, you know, stem of my of the final mix, I'll give you one of those. But you discourage your clients from, from, from making these super hot masters because what ends up happening is, is that these standards are, 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 when when you exceed these standards, you know, when they're trying to put more dynamic range and, and allow your mixes to breathe more, you exceed the standards. What ends up happening is that something that doesn't have a dynamic range is gonna sound even smaller because they they'll be turning it they'll be turning it down now. And you're talking about and iTunes so, and those iTunes, yes, yes. yes. And uh, oh and the other thing is is that um it's a metering the 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 um the uh Loudness unit full scale, the metering, those metering, metering methodologies now that, that will come in the, in the form of plugins. Um, well, should, if you should also, if you're engineering your work, you should be looking at um, uh, true peak metering. True peak, yeah. True peak metering because the sample, the, what we have now a lot of times in metering, only looks at what, we, what we're going to do as an over- for samples and not for true peaks. And what right. ends up happening is there'll be an intersample peak that might sneak through and it'll be much higher than the sample peak. And what's happening is um, you'll send it to these, to iTunes, and you could get your mixes like rejected because there's a there's a there's a huge intersample distortion peak that happened that you didn't you didn't catch. So so it helps it helps us to be able to. Uh, and, I'm better, sorry. Yeah. Before I want to make sure people understand what you mean by when you say sample. He's not talking about a sample like when you sample a a, a part of somebody else's record. He's talking no. about the samples of actual repre- repre- um, recreation of the digital right. footprint. Right. So right. and right. he's saying in between those samples, sometimes the combination of those two will sum to be louder than zero and clip. And and then and then there's actually you know the idea that you know not to get all geeky and and tech crazy but you know CD standard you know forty four thousand point one kilohertz you know samples per second right. that actually samples that will slip in between those sample cracks and and that will be the thing that will trigger the distortion right. that these that the that the signal processing for for iTunes and for Spotify will catch and then they'll reject you know they'll reject whatever your mixes are because you haven't you haven't you haven't handled the business so to speak with learning right. that you that you're metering your true peak you don't have true peak metering happening so you know you won't be able to tell what's really going on you know because you're not, you know, you're not, you're not, you're not allowing for the fact that this new standard has, uh, that they've adopted. Right. Um, you you got to make the, you got to make the adjustment. Um, you'll be doing your clients um, a, a disservice if you keep pushing um, the, this loudness wars thing. Um, they're just, it's just, your music is not going to sound good with it. I mean, I know some people will say, well, you know, I do EDM 
and I gotta squeeze the living daylights out of it, and there's some hip hop army yeah, has gotta be, you know, it's gotta be loud, and there nothing could be further from the truth. They're gonna compensate for if 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 my dynamic range. If I'm not, if I'm say I, you mentioned um, uh, Bruce Springsteen and Michael Jackson having a dr of uh, twelve or fourteen, right. and um, you know, obviously it's not gonna sound as loud as as the Metallica record, obviously. Um, what's happening is because streaming is like is like the future in terms of what we do in terms of in how we consume music and how music is going to be distributed. Um, you know, you you have to adapt to the, the the rules of the format, so to speak. And then having more dynamic range is going to actually make your records sound a lot louder once right. they've done the signal process. And you're like, well, how can that be? It's again. Dynamic range is different between what is soft and what is loudness. There, right. there is no loud without soft. That's right. that's how that's how you can tell it's loud. Right. You know, you go. They can't exist without the other. And it's like ah, and then, okay, that's loud. Right. So if everything is screaming at you, there's no there's no distinction between what is loud between what is loud and what is soft. So after a while, your ears get fatigued. You know, yeah. everything sounds the same. You know, you got to deal with the whole hearing loss thing eventually. Keep doing that, <laughs> and and, and your really, songs suck on and YouTube. your songs suck on YouTube, suck right. on Spotify, <laughs> suck on iTunes. You know, and see that's what's so embarrassing to the artists, like especially young and up and coming artists. Like it puts a lot, it puts well, number one, it puts a lot more value on a good engineer who has a good relationship with his tools and really knows how to deliver that quality product. Because if you're an up and coming artist and you're trying to get, you know, your your homeboy or whoever you got uh, in arm's reach to be able to mix the record, and they they don't have the knowledge to be able to do it to deliver the type of quality that is going to be necessary when your song does get on iTunes or you upload it to SoundCloud or you put it on YouTube or you got it on Spotify, so on and so forth. Your audience can't even fully enjoy your music right. because right. the the quality of it is bothering them. Right, it's bothering your ear, and you can hear it. You may need, they may not even know how to articulate it. Right. They just know it don't sound just right, sounds right or exactly. it's too low. Exactly, and you exactly. actually from ear fatigue, you can you can actually have a, a dissettled feeling. Like you really feel like you just something is wrong. It's not just a headache. You won't right. even, you know you won't even recognize why you want to cut. You know what I'm saying this record off, but I just really want to. Cut this record, Cut the record off. off. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's um it for us as um as engineers and what we you know what we're able to do. I think it just opens up a whole nother whole nother um. I won't say it. You know, I I, I it's like I almost was gonna say it opens up a whole new range of expression. But it really, right. what it does is it's not new. It's it's what we've been doing always. always. It's just that now we you know we don't have to we don't have to compromise. Um, because we're worried about how loud it, you know, it's going to play. We never, you know, back in the day, you didn't have to worry about how loud it was because you knew, you knew that that, for instance, the the somebody's in a car, you know, they like the record, they're going to turn the record turn up. Turn it up. The the radio stations, like I, we just whole went through the whole compression thing and whatnot. They they were going to do it. They're going to do with their compressors and their limiters. You went and done a nightclub. The 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 guy who's who's DJing. You know what I mean? Totally this different. whole different. Co- co- so you know, it it wasn't it wasn't like we were thinking about loudness for the sake necessarily of um you know of loudness. It was more like oh, it's going to be loud. It'll be a creative tool, right? As opposed to you know a, a competition thing. I'm slapping the tape hard because I want 
t- I want I want some tape compression here. Right, right, right. You know, I want that I want that effect. You know, the, the tape compression, not uh, you know, I got to make sure my mix is louder than Jimmy Douglas's. Right. You know what? <laughs> do you do you feel like this 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 standard has um has that changed the recording process at all? Like do you have artists do something different or is there something, another step that you would add to the recording process to make sure you have all you need to be able to deliver that quality? No, actually that, that gets down to what happens in the mix and mastering. Post, yeah, it's all yeah. So I'll mix and As mastering. a matter of fact, I wanted to go into some best practices. What what I've been doing recently to, to try to combat the idea that my client wants to hear really, really loud, but I know that they're not going to be satisfied when we get to the iTunes or SoundCloud area. What I've been doing, I've been using the. Um, you were mentioning plugins. I've been using the. Uh, I believe it's Waves WLM. Yeah. Plus. Yes. That allows you to first of all get your loudness. You know your LUFS and your your range. It gives you all that. It's meters for all that. But then it also gives the true peak limiting. And um, what I've been doing though is I've been turning down my output to minus one. And I know that the, right. it was common practice to do. Uh, point three minus point three for a long time right, going to CD, right, right? But I think that because what I've noticed happening is that I, if I master it at minus one dB, once it gets converted to MP3 or whatever process the iTunes puts it through or SoundCloud, there's right. going to be digital artifacts from that as right. well with right. the, the dithering exactly. and the conversion. Exactly. And guess what happens when they do that conversion? You go up. You go up and you're, you go closer to, to zero. You go do closer to zero, and that that is also that. And that, that in and of itself, when you do those conversions, if you're running too hot, that will right. also be a, 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 another way that if you if you were running it close to point two, right under under full scale, right, you know that once they did do those those uh, um, those uh, operations yep. on on the music, then then you're you got a track that's distorting now. And I have another reason for doing that also because let's just say that I decided not to do the loudness war thing and I got my client's track a little bit quieter than it could have been. Now it gives it gives iTunes or SoundCloud or whatever it gives them that headroom to push mine up a little bit to get it loud like the other right. as opposed to pulling me down and, and squashing my sound. Right. Well, because well here because and here's the thing, you you squash something that that has you know something that has no dynamic range, and you turn it down. Right. It sounds really small. Yeah. <laughs> squashed little is really squashed bad. Little is really squashed it in low volume. It, the reason why you squash it is so you can turn it up. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's the reason why it's squashed it down, right. so you can turn it up, not so you can turn it down. You know. So, so talk a little bit about what so, your best practices are for the same thing. I, I think um, you know, for me, um, one of the things that that I do um, um, is. You know, I try to follow some of these guidelines that they've uh, set. Uh, I want to say it's the EBU's R128 guidelines that right. that just come out, and um, but there's the there there are the others that um, I believe it's EBU for Europe and ATSC EBU, yes, for US. Yes, and so they their their uh, loudness unit full scale um, is like 24. Right. DB, which some people may think it's actually negative twenty four. You know, negative twenty four. Yeah, make sure I say that. Negative twenty <laughs> four. Right. Um. Uh. uh loudest units of uh, DB full scale, and and so um. Some people will think that that some people feel that like that might just be a little bit too low. But the idea is that you you know you want to mix with a with a, with as much headroom, you know, as you as you possibly can get, and then turn that you know turn that up. So one of the things, one of the strategies I like to do is actually I actually like to turn my volume up, my mix volume on my. In monitor volume up really really high, and um, 
and sort of um, try to keep my mixed levels, you know, in individual channels conservative as um, as I'm working through the mix, and then um, and then observe where I'm, you know, where I'm peaking um, when I'm doing sample. Um, the magic AB thing, I get a good idea as to where you know the, the mix, my right. reference mixes are peaking, so that I can um, so that I can then make uh, make make uh, make um, um, the adjustments. The reason why I'm doing that too is turn up the, turn up the volume and start up my fader, fader levels a little uh, lower than normal because um, I'm trying to compensate for like fader creep. Because you know what's happening is you find a nice comfortable level that you're mixing, and all of a sudden you you got faders that are up like way too high. You're looking at your two bus and it's just no head. There's no like headroom. Right. And then really what it is is that you, you really want to hear a nice, good bump in volume sometimes initially while you're setting your drums, while you're getting the bass to like sit right. So the idea is I'm building, building in just a little bit of headroom um, in the mix, maybe peaking minus 12, you know, um, on my, you know, on my meters. The other thing too is the, the calibration uh, practice is that back in the day, I keep saying back in the day, actually this wasn't before digital. This, this is this is this is when we actually use digital and use a digital tape machine. So one of the things we AD, did, after AD, digital. After that, digital, that AD after that digital that actually works, right? Um after digital. You so get those t shirts so, in the shop. <laughs> right, 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 right. One of the things you do is um you just have to calibrate you calibrated your 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 analog tape machines, but you also calibrated the digital machines. Right. So You'd have a Sony and, you know, you'd have to minus 18, minus 20, minus 22 decibels. You'd feed in an oscillator from the board. Oscillator was like at zero dB, 1K. And you would have to tweak the inputs. And the idea is that at the machine, it's recording levels minus 18, minus 20, minus 20, whatever the reference level is that the engineer wanted. And at the board, you know, that you would look at like the VU meters. Now, right. you've got to make the distinction here right. because these are not, these are not, the peak reading right. meters, they are also not dB full-scale meters. Right. The reading on the board is that it comes out at zero decibels RMS, okay, which is a different standard than, than, the, <laughs> than the peak. So let's make sure you, and boys and girls, if you don't know that, you got to make sure Research. you're clear on that. Yeah. And here's the thing is because the, the, the VU meter, the VU meter, um, um, as an RMS meter, was closer to what the ear Actually, here now the the plugins you have now from I think it's from New Gen, uh, I want to say Dolby and a, the, the whatever it is that they have now for plugins that are actually measuring in in loudness units, full scale, um, K weighted um, loudness units, the loud LRA, which is the range, right? You know the dynamic range, the DR. All of these new plugins that are that are actually helping you to to um, assess where your loudness levels are now, they're saying are more accurate than that give you a better better uh, feedback for what what loudness actually will be. Right. And I would say put those plugins to use because what you what you want to do is you want to be able to get you want to be able to get. For me, I like being able to reference um, RMS, you know, VU old style VU meters, and know that my minus eighteen or my minus twenty. Is 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 like where zero is on right. my on my meter, so I know exactly what's going on with my you know my headroom. And then there's some meters a meter again. Ian Shepard has a uh, he does a uh, was it was it Dynamics Day? I think it's his, it's yeah his, Dynamics it's his Day. Dynamics Dynamics Day. Well, he 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 does a little um, a YouTube video 
on um, on some plugins for metering, and he talks about this view meters that he has that he's used a plugin that's that was pretty accurate as far as um, as RMS and VU meters goes, and you can set that with the digital reference for your for where your um, your zero mark is and where you want your DR range to be with a zero reference to zero, so that you know that as you are hitting zero on the VU, the your mix levels are right relative to the loudness unit full scale. Right. On, on you know, so he uses that. Um, uses the TT meters. He's got his own um, dynamic range plugin for metering as well too. So that's that's part of um, as, as far as this uh, loudness wars thing things go. Um, I I got into the spec of what they wanted in terms of um, in terms of uh, levels and what the recommended levels were, and just experimented to see what you know. What what that was and whether or not it was it was actually working for the projects that I'm working on and and what my goals were um, for 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 what I was getting for my my references now now the, the, what I'll say about the references is this you, you kind of gotta want to you know you gotta gotta find a, a compromise between what the client wants like let's say you get a client that comes in and is absolutely positively convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt you know I want my record to be as loud as the Metallica record okay. <laughs> Obviously, you know what's going to happen. <laughs> you know what's going to happen ahead of time if you follow through with that 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 line of logic, that train wreck. You want to get out. You want to get out in front of that train wreck before it happens. But but you have to figure out a way to to to, to be able to reference Metallica at DR three right. on your mix bus while you while you try to figure out how to how to integrate the new the new changes that the standards have. But at the same time, get to keep the clients happy. You so more than one in print. Print more yeah, than one print, mix. Definitely, <laughs> definitely print more than one mix. But but you have to. But what I'm saying is, is that using the plugin that right. I was talking about, where we where you're actually a being, you know, that plugin is gonna gonna skew your your your. Uh, if you're not careful, it's gonna skew your impression right. of what of what loudness is supposed to be for that mix. So you have to kind of work that into the system to make sure that your your references are, are, are your references are also using the system. Well, so to speak. I, I appreciate the wealth of knowledge, uh, Lewis. I appreciate you coming out. Actually, I got a few quick hit, quick hitters here, sure. questions. Uh, so I know you you can go into this for days, but yeah. just give us a quick answer. Quick. If you could only have one mic for vocals, which would it be? Ooh. One vocal mic, one vocal mic, one vocal mic. My mic, U87. U87, Neumann. Neumann, U87. All right. All right. Uh, what do you do to enhance the stereo field? Oh. Midside. Sometimes I do a little bit of midside processing. Yeah. Yeah. If I, I got to master something, I might, might do a little. If it's a little too narrow, midside. And that's a little difficult probably for most people. But you know what? There's a Waze plugin called Center. Have you heard of that? Yes. That's the easy way to yes. do a, a little midside work. Little, little mid-side. And, and even if, you, you know, uh, here's another thing. You, uh, instead of doing it on, say, the whole mix, you can, you can, you can probably go into your mix. If, if it's something you have not mixed already, you can go into your mix and find elements inside your mix to put that plug in on to give it a little bit more width. Pick, right. pick something, you know, contrast. A lot of what we do is about contrast. You, right. know, you don't make everything wide. You know, you pick something that's going to work wide. This one is a long one, even though I want it to be short. This is a long okay. one. Everything I read says to record straight into my DAW with no effects, but whenever I go to a real studio, I see the engineer insert effects before it goes to Pro Tools. What should I really be doing? Huh. You- <laughs> I was okay. loaded yeah, so right there. That's a loaded question. <laughs> okay. Um, here's the thing. People who say that, uh, don't record anything, you know, uh, they're, they're trying to make 
like make an absolute, you know, engineering dogma statement about like this is the way it's done and it's the only way it's going to be but done. But they don't do that. And they but then we don't do that. I mean, there are times <laughs> when there are times when you absolutely positively will listen to something and you go, "Okay, that's pretty good. I'll just go straight in." But but you're talking about, you know, some there's some people who have exceptional instruments. I worked with a percussionist once. His tambourine. I mean, the dude, it was just, oh, no, no, it sounds crazy. I need more cowbell. But everybody need more cowbell, right? No, you're laughing. You're laughing. But but he had a, unfortunately, you, you, this is going to sound really, really, really stupid, but he had a box of, of like his toys, and percussion toys. He had, he had a cymbal. I mean, not cymbal. He had his, he had his uh, cowbell, <laughs> he had his shakers. He had his egg shakers. He had his tambourines, all the tri- triangles. Right. It was amazing how this stuff would sound. And then, and then, um, and somebody stole that. And so anything he anything he anything he had after that just sounded like crap to me. It was just it was just hard. I got so used to like the the actual sound. Right. So so um so then so now I'm EQing it, you know, before we record, I'm like EQing it. Right. So so I guess to that person I would say, um, you, you gotta use your ears. Don't don't use that as a um as a uh, absolute rule. Um I think when people say that is because um they don't wanna have to make if they make a mistake, it's right. like once it's on there, they can't undo it. Right. So a lot of people, a lot of people who who don't know what they're doing, you know, uh, or who are afraid of, right. of of it, they'll say, okay, or maybe there's the, the third thing, um, they maybe don't know what it is that they want for a particular sound later on, and they, and they want to get married to a particular compressor, particular EQ up front right. and so they just they'll just record it butt naked no no just mic pre no eq no compression right flat to tape and then there it is but then here's the other side of that uh what happens if you know you got to worry about the peak overload on the way in to your exactly. dog you know gonna need a little bit of level control going in so you see engineers doing it because Definitely. For lack of a better word, the engineers will know what they're doing. And I think that's probably what the distinction is. When you go to those big studios, listener, and you're seeing those guys recording with a, you know, the signal chain having all those effects in it, they, they've been doing this 15 years. So right. they're not going to make the same mistake. So when you ask them, hey, is this right or wrong? They're going to tell you, no, don't record anything because they know that you're probably going to make a mistake when you right. record in. I don't think I ever record without compression. I always I, have compression. It's it's one At of those least. things. There's one of those things that that I definitely do not record without is is some compression to some degree. Um, you know, you have to pick the right compressor. You know, I'm not wouldn't for instance DBX 160 on voc X on vocals. Right. No. Nah, no but an RNC no. compressor, those are it's yeah. actually called a really nice compressor. Really nice you compressor. No, I haven't used that. Those you can slam them and they sound. You can slam them sound great. Yeah. And and so you know it's it's like it's like cooking. You know you, you want to be able to slightly season some things and 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 use it as a use them as tools. You know, everything is not about, you know, necessarily getting the greatest sound up front sometimes, you know, with drums and whatnot. That's up to the drummer. Right. Well, well played, well tuned drum kit. You know, there's all your sound. You, you got to do everything you can not to get in the way of that. Right. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? You can't think that all music is going to be like a cookie cutter. So just right. because one engineer did something and they're telling you not to do it, it doesn't mean that 
Because it sounded like that listener was going, oh, well, if they're doing it, then I should be doing it right. too. Wow. Right. And you bring up a really good point right. because if you look right. on YouTube right now, right. there are videos upon videos of a little mixing trick I have or what. Right. These guys that are giving you these tips, they're not going to do this on every record. Nope. So you can't take that mixing trick and use that across the entire spectrum of every voice and every microphone and every mix that you've ever done in your life. Right. It's uh, not going to work. So I've, I've walked into people's setups before and they're like, hey, what's the setting you did for, like, make this vocal this way? <laughs> <laughs> and it'll be like this one particular singer and she's like blonde with blue eyes and she sings super soprano right and then and then you come in like three weeks later and then here's this guy he's black he's bald headed <laughs> he's got a beard and he's rapping and and he's he's rapping in like a Barry White voice right. in the same settings right. like on the, on, the, on the gear. Come on, man. Right. <laughs> and these engineers that are telling you this, like, yeah, oh, people telling you, yeah, yeah, no, nah, no, nah, don't do that. Don't don't put anything on it. Just go in. That's Two why. weeks later, they'll have everything that that engineer you saw in the studio had right. you know, the, the next <laughs> day. All right, yeah. so last one. This is actually a really good question. Okay. Listener, whoever uh, gave this one, this is great. Where should the output level be in my mix bus when sending to be mastered? Ah... I would I would strive to maybe leave the mastering guy six to eight dB of headroom. I agree with to that play too. with. And now now we'll tell you this. Go read up on uh on the new standards that we've just been talking about today. Yeah. Uh, hit hit Ian Shepherd up of Google Ian Shepherd. Find out dynamic uh uh um what is it? he's got a couple things. Um Dynamic Range Day, Ian Shepard. Um, he's got a couple websites. The the new standards will probably have you maybe with having a bit more headroom that you actually send to the mastering engineer right. when they actually process. But 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 you know this is still a very new thing for a lot of us. So um, just off the cuff, you know if you're not gonna do this and implement this, and I suggest you should. But let's say you don't for the next a couple weeks or a month or two, you know leave the guy about six to eight dB headroom. You know, and I, I want to add on to that also because um, I think that most people, like when I'll get mixes sometimes that I'll be mastering for, and I'll get the mix and it'll have heavy limiting compression, limiting on the um, on the, the, the two tracks right, that I get. Right, right, So what Lewis is saying is that when you come out of your, your master bus should have nothing on it if possible. Right, And you right. should still be Good point. minus six dB when you, when you send it. So that means that there's no limiting, there's no crushing whatsoever to your master bus. You're actually sending a, a, a song full of dynamics if you can. Yes. Now, now the, only, the only caveat I would, I would insert in here is that, yeah, like, the, like I mentioned earlier, how you know the trick, you throw the L1 or the L2, the L3 on the top, and you <laughs> right. just crank it up until it like about brick walls and you know, right. two dB, two tenths of a dB down. Take that thing off. Right. Definitely take that thing off. Um, give your give your um give your give your mastering guys six to eight dB, and 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 then here's the thing you you want to send a stem, like uh, Brian just said with nothing on it. You also want to make a stem. Let's just say some people like to use uh like an SSL uh, type compressor, two bus compressor, um maybe one of the Slate digital plugins or two bus two bus compressor, and they mix into that right from the start of the mix, so that becomes like their sound. Okay, um, the the two bus compressor um, that I probably wouldn't take off, but I would send them a mix without it. Like like definitely just nothing on the two on the two bus at all, and then send them a mix. You know, six to eight dB down, but with like your with like your SSL type compressor, whatever that you're using, um, but no limiting. 
take take the take the L two L one L three L three thousand whatever you're using as a limiter. Take that thing off um, when you go to master. And if you are putting some plug in on that, make sure you have no dither. Yeah, on the plugin. Yeah, no dither. Lewis, we really appreciate the wealth Thank of you. knowledge. Thank you. Thank you Yo. for having me. Thank you. Thank you yeah. very much. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. This is just great. I uh, hope I come back and you know do some more stuff. This was wonderful. So, Lewis, how can we get in touch with you? Okay, uh, you can drop me an email at sevensoundworks at gmail dot com. That's s e v n sound s o u n d w o r k s at gmail dot com. Awesome, awesome. So, listeners, make sure you check out the 9010rule.com. We got some great shows this year. Really excited. See you next time. Visit us at the 9010rule.com. That's 9010rule.com.